Hi, and welcome to season five of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. Bob again, and I've got the feedback imperative. How to give everyday feedback to speed up your team's success. I've got Anna Corral on the line here, and she's down in Toasty, Texas this morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Great. Happy to be here. <laughs> Hey, it's interesting. You know, you, you look at your cover and you've got these um, two uh, circles with lots and lots of lounge that look like, like cool little doodles. Um, why did you go with this style of, of cover? What are you trying to say with the cover? Well, the two circles are really people talking. So mm-hmm. thought bubbles. Mm-hmm. So it's really all about conversation, feedback conversations, and two-way and really sharp, great feedback that helps people both ways mm-hmm. is what I wanted to emphasize. Cool. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, communication and the importance of it anywhere. I mean, one of the one of the major problems I have uh, when going to lots and lots of meetings is people are terrible at communicating. Some people think they're amazing <laughs> communicators and over-communicate, and some people are too quiet and don't communicate enough, and then you get a lopsided meeting. How do we get people to understand the importance of communication? Well, I think one thing we can do, of course, is draw people out and ask some questions, which is really <laughs> great. But uh, in terms of leaders, um, very often, um, part of it's personality-based. Some people are more introverted, and they tend to be quiet and process things in their own minds. But uh, beyond that, I think some leaders just don't realize the value of communication and explaining things and giving background and big picture and helping people to understand why we're doing what we're doing and getting their input on that. Mm-hmm. So you think uh, today we're better at it or we're just as bad as we were um, many, many, many years ago? Is there a difference uh, that the importance of communication is even more important today than it was in the past? I find it really interesting because there's some reasons why it's kind of gotten worse. Oh, I mean, I, I mentioned in one place that even though we have massive uh, information coming in from all directions and people have electronic information streaming in more than they've ever had exponentially changing constantly in their environment. Human communication is basically the same um, as it was in prehistoric days because of this issue of conflict and being uncomfortable with anything that might be controversial or conflict or might create pain for people. Mm. So really um, there are reasons because of technology and tools that people are using and reliance on um, things that substitute for real feedback, people are actually probably more reluctant to give feedback in a way than they ever were before. When you're live with sort of a herd of people in a village and you're uh, some dangers coming along, then everybody's screaming. Or you know, there's there's me- there are mechanisms in place for communicating quickly. And now um, we're relying on things like email, remote communication tools, performance tools. Um, uh, anonymous feedback and other other kinds of project management um, communication that reduces some of the uh, ability to talk to people and really help people really understand what's going on and and ask questions and answer questions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Um, When I was going through the book, I was reminded a lot of times of situations where I was either a manager or dealing with a manager, and the different types of 
management styles, I guess would be a better word. And a lot of that style was based around how they communicated. And I, I think for uh, people that yeah. are, you know, asking for feedback and then giving feedback, um, if you're asking for feedback, you've got to take down a whole pile of walls so that people aren't nervous about giving you the feedback that you need to move forward. Absolutely. And uh, so the manager really needs to set the, the role model for feedback, using feedback, asking for feedback, and then, of course, acting on whatever feedback the troops give them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps the folks on the team to uh, want seek feedback themselves and to make it comfortable. And uh, the, the book's really about mostly about the topic you just brought up, about making people comfortable. It's really more about creating a culture where it's not only comfortable, it's great, it's exciting, it brings you closer to people, the team does better, you do better, and this concept of everyday feedback is kind of a streaming human communication so that people aren't so scared, it's not a big deal, and we go into the brain science of, uh, it's been studied about giving feedback and how your brain goes into an emotional fight or flight response when the, the whole idea of feedback comes along. And, and so. So one of the things managers have to do in answer to what you're saying is to make it more comfortable for themselves to give feedback and receive feedback and then set the example for everybody else doing the same. Mm. You know, I, uh, when you talk about like managers and getting people to, to cooperate and stuff like that, I do remember um, working with one organization and, you know, we were several months into a project and the guy said, oh, it's time for 360 reviews. And I said, what the heck's this? And he says, that's what <laughs> everybody's going to review you. The secretary, everybody, all the way up to the CEO and say, what? Okay, I haven't done one of these. Suddenly I was really nervous. Um, and I think a lot of people take um, what people say about them, number one, way too emotionally. Um, they can't step away from that. They get angry, all these type of things. So what's a good exercise? What's a good attitude? What's a good mindset for somebody that wants to get really, really good responses from people? Well, first of all, I'd love to, I'm glad you brought the issue of 360 feedback up mm-hmm. because really I have a kind of a controversial view of it having been sort of an, an OD, organization development consultant for a long time mm-hmm. and also just been in a lot of corporate settings. You see them everywhere and they're probably growing and they're fancier and they're done more often and more people do them and it's a big deal that people spend a lot of money doing them. Yeah. And although I think for, for executive coaching, they can be a good way to kick off kind of a series of coaching sessions. So you kind of look at a couple areas and it, it can be a little bit useful in those areas, but I'm really not a proponent of 360. Um, I think that what it's doing is creating more barriers because people are getting the message that feedback needs to be confidential. So we don't want to make Bob feel uh, bad about filling out or saying something about his manager or peer because we want to uh, let him feel more comfortable and therefore we're going to just tell him this is confidential and he's going to fill it out and his peers and everyone else about their manager. Um, what that does is sends the message, which creates more fear and stress response in the brain, that feedback is scary. It should be confidential. You might be fired. There's a, there's a strong possibility that somebody would, that would try to uh, do retribution against you and hold that against you that you might have said something. 
I think it's far better to have what I call flawed or imperfect feedback. Well, people are just more, you and I say, work together, we're more comfortable, you're my boss, you ask for my feedback, I ask for yours, you give me feedback regularly, and we're just, some of that adrenaline rush goes down, and it's a no big deal, we live through it, and we, in fact, it becomes so commonplace that we're in the hallway just chatting about a meeting we just did, and you say, Anna, next time with that group, you need to do this, and I um, could say the same thing to you, and it's just comfortable. And I'm not really graded on that. I have a chance to improve it. And you're doing it like every week, every few days, whenever it's comfortable. This 360 puts this emphasis on you got to sit behind a a anonymous computer screen and fill out paperwork and do ratings and numbers. And then the person gets this very formal uh, 360 report that has graphs and charts and definitively tells you that this is the rank order of your various competency areas. I just think there's an over feeling of great analysis and scientific background and statistical uh, validity of all of this when really it's just a bunch of people expressing their views today on a given individual they work with. So I really am not, I, th- I think it's the wrong message. I think when there's comfort and when we have, we create a culture of feedback, uh, say if you're the one who wants to ch- turn around the feedback culture in your own team, you've announced to everyone, hey, let's do more feedback. I want to start talking to each of you individually. I want your feedback back. I'm going to give you feedback. But, hey, we're going to do it so, so often. It's not your performance review. We want to improve. Um, and I call that uh, really speeding up the feedback loops. And so you're turning those learning cycles over faster. You've made a suggestion to me. I act on it. We'd look at it again. I act on that. I act on that. I act on that. And pretty soon we got better performance all around. Mm. Um, does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It, it reminds me more of, instead of feedback, coaching. And like where somebody said, look, I just need feedback from you on this yeah. presentation. So. Yeah. It's almost like you have a culture of people asking for feedback, um, almost on the mic on the micro level. Where uh, and I'm doing this all the time. Like if we're doing uh, pitching for new clients and stuff like that, we'll be doing some practice sessions, and I need the feedback. And the person that I'm working with needs my feedback, so we feel comfortable and confident when we go into the room to blow somebody away. Absolutely. So it is feedback is what when you mention coaching, that's great because it is a, it's one core uh, type of coaching or a piece of coaching, any coaching will probably involve at some level some feedback. Feedback's, I would say, just more specific piece of, co- of coaching. And so I think great performers, people who are, we already know that in organizations, the star talent, the people who have other opportunities, who are the ones you want to keep in the organization, they're looking for feedback. And one of the most fascinating things is that in studying um, the star performers and young people, particularly, particularly those that we that some people call millennials. I call them information babies because it's people who were grew up. It was streaming information, no matter what the age. Some are a little older than millennials, some younger. Um, all of those folks are like, "What's the deal? Just tell me now." They're used to more information. <laughs> They're like they, they and they want negative feedback in addition to positive feedback. Mm-hmm. They want to get better and they want to know what. The, what the criticism is, well, how can I get better at it? And they really hate some of their boomer managers and other, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm one myself, <laughs> I'm categorizing, uh, but uh, 
they don't like it when people are all formal and wait and they're all nervous and they have paperwork on it and they wait to get the feedback mm. once, twice a year or uh, even a little more frequently than that. So it's just kind of interesting. People who want to get better, athletes, you have a Fitbit watch. It tells you you only walk 2,000 steps. Hey, I got to walk 2,000 steps today. Um, and so people need feedback. Feedback's a natural mechanism. It's just information mm. that people use to get better at what they're doing. Mm, yeah, barometer jumps to mind too. Yeah. You can guide, have a feeling of where you are on your path, on your goals. How do, exactly. you know, for people who have got the book, how do they manage their way through the book? Because there's a ton of information here. Do you recommend that they, they read it cover to cover or can, because it's broken down to lots of little sections or can they jump around? Okay. Well, what I can do is sort of chunk you through the, the sections of the book because some people might need to read if people are already convinced that I love, I want feedback, and not just I want feedback, I want to start a feedback culture where everybody needs feedback and is going to be getting feedback. Mm. I want to start being a better feedback giver and a learning curve maker. Um, if you're already really convinced that you want to do that and you're committed to doing it, you can start to, to the second section, which is six steps to everyday feedback. The first is really making a really strong case that in today's um, working cultures uh, that we're at a new crossroads now and that there's a bigger gap. Uh, this, as I mentioned, this employee population that's coming up today and those that you want to retain and build and grow, and that's pretty much everybody you want to grow, um, they really need and want feedback, and I make a really strong case about that. Mm. Um, there's a section about getting ready for feedback that talks about some of the barriers the four barriers that people cite are time, culture of their organization, their own different assumptions. Somebody who's an introvert is probably going to be a little more reluctant to chatting about people that in ways that are um, deal with conflict issues and some of the other styles and more amiable ones, wants everybody to like them based on your style and also your brain chemistry that is pretty common when it comes to feedback. Those are the barriers that exist to giving feedback. But um, I talk about sort of busting through those. And then there's the step, section on six steps to everyday feedback. So if, you're, if you feel like you don't have any barriers now and you're really ready to rock and roll, then you could start with, I guess, the third section, which is six steps to everyday feedback. If you really want to understand what the real barriers are versus the ones you think they are, then you might want to read the second section, which goes into why time isn't really an issue and why the culture of your company is not really an issue when it comes to feedback so much. Um, the first section is making a case for why in your world you have got to start giving and receiving more feedback. Mm. The six steps goes through the steps uh, that have to do with communicating about it and getting started and doing it and keep continuing it and growing it. And then the last part is more <clears throat> frequently asked questions. Um, if you're, if you've got if you still have barriers to giving feedback, and it goes into the different styles you might be, and gives you extra tips, um, and also how to spread it throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. It's you know there's a ton, <laughs> it's a ton of information there, and and you know you're going through it, I, and you're reading the book, and it's like oh god, I've got to get more feedback, and you kind of get this imperative that's like oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, it, in, in a good way, in a good way, but it, it's really, it, it motivates you because you realize how important it is. And, you know, especially when you, you're talking about the, your, you know, younger people in organizations and in your life, 
they get so much feedback and they need that feedback. It's it's do you think is based on them doing these texts that are and tweets and Facebook comments and stuff like that? Do you think it's just that's the way they live their life? Is this constantly feedbacking? Absolutely. So I think there are a couple of things going on and partly so partly it's the information swirl that they live in and it's so easy to again, yes, they're getting constant feedback from everybody, information from everybody. And again, I, I point out the, the core meaning feedback is really information that comes from um, the past that informs the future. And so if it's in real time, it's like one second ago. <laughs> now what am I gonna do one second forward? So it's faster and faster loops of feedback. Um, so, uh, yes, it's being in that environment exactly and knowing that they can ask a question, get an answer, or feedback is faster in every other aspect of their world. Gamification. One thing that we love about, say, filling out forms, it's easier now because we love to know where we are in the form. Um, games are, uh, one thing great about games, they always tell you what the score is at all times, how you're doing. And people have adopted that gamification concept into all kinds of interfaces with computers. So people are used to knowing where they stand. I'm on page two of a four-page form. Hey, I can get through it faster. Um, so you're getting feedback all the time also in uh, sports um, and training, personal training. There's more and more use of feedback to uh, help spur people forward. So in a lot of aspects of our world, using information technology, people are used to feedback. What's happened, though, with human communication is nothing. Nothing's advanced much in that area. In fact, in some cases, there's this illusion that information technology is going to take the place of human communication about, say, something in the workplace that's, say, I haven't handled a customer exactly well, and you want to really, you need to really talk to me about that. It can't be just something that um, I get a score on. We have to understand the dynamics of how I'm interacting with customers. And so if you think uh, everything's handled and I'm getting some numerical feedback uh, or I might be getting a 360, then you're not going to sit down with me um, and really talk over what needs to be talked about in ways that you might have in the past. So I think that there is this huge element of people getting used to having constant feedback in other ways. There's another big dynamic. And that has to do with um, the way uh, the information babies were raised by parents. So you probably read a lot about uh, this whole thing about sort of boomer parents, sort of overly creating dependency and um, giving people positive praise all the time. And so people are, younger people are more used to getting feedback and they get reassurance about you've done well, good job, also in the way that the schools have handled it. So um, when it, it's been pretty much documented that people, that younger folks want feedback from their manager. They want reassurance they're doing well. And if they're not doing well, they want to know what they need to do to do well because, of course, they want to do well. So I think there's an expectation that a boss is a little bit like a parent or a teacher in that their job partly is to, and this is, I think, correct, um, to give them feedback. And they should, one thing that feels like betrayal, to, of course, everybody, but to us younger people more, is to find out at the end of the year that you rated me, say, out of a five-point scale. You rated me a five and four in a lot of areas, but then you rated me a two in a couple of areas that are listed on the performance review form. And I'm like shocked. Bob, why didn't you tell me? 
about these areas. I didn't even know that I was being judged on this, or I didn't know that you felt this way or observed that I was poor in these areas. I am actually feeling really, really upset, hurt, and angry that you did not discuss these with me earlier. Mm. Well, you know, and you used the... That, that scenario there, I think a lot of people, they may feel all those emotions, and part of it is that they, they don't tell you. They don't get back to you, so they just feel angry about it, and then they become disgruntled, they don't work as hard, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the boss is like, what exactly. happened to this? Joe, why, why is he he's going downhill? I don't understand. I'm trying to do a better job with him, blah, blah, blah. So it, it goes both ways, for sure. Absolutely. He's un- there. Uh- we become unmotivated as human beings when we feel like somebody all of a sudden just hit us over you know, the head with a hammer and said something really negative, and we haven't, we don't understand it. Mm. And that it's really unfair when you think of how much other information is available. The information from your boss is only available once a year. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And you know, if you're being spoon-fed. Uh, maybe that's not a great term, but basically, you know, given little <laughs> tidbits of 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 feedback, you say, oh, you, you know, you could have done that presentation better, or you you, you tend to say something uh, without thinking about it in the meetings, and maybe you want to do that, or meetings aren't a place to crack jokes all the time. If somebody gets that every meeting, then they start to say, oh, geez, I did that again. Then they start to manage themselves a little bit better. But a lot of people, you've got to tell them more than once before they start to realize that. It's an issue. Absolutely. And I think it's um, the culture that we want to create is a feedback culture in which it's neutral. When I hear feedback, it's like, oh, adjust. I'm going to adjust. The cycle is really information, and then the other person makes an adjustment, and then you have a new information. Mm. Then you make another adjustment, new information. So you're just giving them information. It's too long. It's too short. You didn't spend enough time on this, whatever. And that's just, oh, I can adjust. I can adjust. I can adjust. Just like an airplane navigation system, if plane's going a little bit too far west, the navigation system is going to give signals to move the uh, plane to the east a little bit. Mm. So it's making constant adjustments. And when you think of scientific systems or technology systems, you're really not judging. It's not like east-west. What, what do you mean? It's not bad. You're not doing bad good. Um, and so we want to reach a point where we're working well. We trust each other. And we're getting this feedback, and it's like, I want to act on your feedback. You tell me something about the presentation I did, and I, I can't wait to make that change because I'm excited. It's going to help make it better. And I think that's the culture that we want to create rather than this grading people and feeling betrayed by uh, these comments that are not forthcoming. Mm. Um, when you put all this stuff down into your manuscript for your book, what was your aha moment? What was something that crystallized for you? Even though you knew about it before, it really became a truism for you. Um, I guess when I really realized I was sort of studying you know, research, I had done my own research in a lot of companies and with a lot of leaders that I had worked with and a lot of employees at all levels, um, I sort of had a certain set of ideas about what was going on. But then when I started reading, asking questions and doing research of just say even the Gallup survey on um, what people want and the, what goes with uh, employee engagement and other surveys and other research that people have done in organizations, finding out to the extent to which people really want 
feedback. They want all feedback. They want feedback to help them improve. It's not that they only want these attaboys, you know, pats on the back. They really want to know. They want access to this information. They want a transparent workplace in which information isn't withheld. And so that was huge. The, the thing that made this made me realize this was a huge gap in the world was that there's this huge need for getting this honest feedback. And yet our brains don't work very well in terms of wanting to share information such as this honestly. Because what happens is we sit down to talk to somebody. For instance, if you waited for two months, something I've, I've been doing, say I'm your employee, something I've been doing is really bothering you and it's really causing actually some problems. Maybe some customers are calling in and you're, you're kind of a little scared to tell me, let's say if you're a manager, I, I think somehow you're more forthcoming to that, Bob. <laughs> but, uh, if, but a lot of people aren't. And um, so there's a big gap because they're kind of really nervous and, and not excited about sitting down with me to have that conversation. So you might possibly avoid it or you kind of sandwich it or you kind of just throw a few words out and you don't really have great conversations with me about it. And so uh, that stress that you experience is really standing in your way and you're not able to really realize that when you're starting feedback conversations, when you start getting into this cultural thing, you um, will find it pretty normal and natural that you're, you're, you're feeling a little emotionally stressed, but then once you do it, the more you have it. Um, I'm sure everybody here has had great feedback conversations with somebody that they trust, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, and they really don't feel threatened in either giving or receiving the feedback. Hmm. And uh, in those situations, it actually builds more intimacy and more great, deep connections with people. Um, because you can, you know that they they're telling you the truth, and your your one part of your brain knows that that's they are telling you the truth. They're not mm. BSing. Yeah, well, you know that's a, that's interesting because you know there's the trust issue you mentioned, but also the the ability to to communicate in a way that people accept what you're about to say. That's a tough thing to do, I, and and. You know, some people are just naturally really, really good at it, but there's a lot of people in the organization that, that struggle with that. What advice would you give people that struggle with giving feedback? Is there a technique? Is there a way? Yes. Oh, there are multiple ways. One is know yourself. So um, in the section of the book about getting ready for feedback, we look at the feedback zones, and this is based on whether you're introvert, extroverted, or more of a thinker and feeler, and these are the basic union categories that – a lot of different management styles have been based on in the past. Mm. But you can take a look, for instance, if you're an analyzer, uh, my husband's a computer programmer, he's very, and he's extremely analytical and very introverted, so he's really reluctant to give feedback. Um, a lot of times that particular zone, they are a little more uh, reluctant to experience others' feelings. They don't, they don't really want to give any feedback that might – create any kind of an emotional response in someone else. Mm. They're a little overly cautious. They have great information to share, the very best, but they're really reluctant. Somebody might cry, somebody might get upset, whatever, so they hold back on valuable information. Mm. Sometimes um, engineers have been known to hold back super important information about a project until it's really you know, massive money and time has been wasted. Mm. Um, and again, it's, 
that style could be true of any profession. I don't mean it just engineers. Uh, but uh, another approach is really an empathizer style, and that's the super amiable approach where you want everybody to like you. So if you're an amiable, if you are an empathizer um, in the zones, if you're in the empathizer zone, you are my boss. You want me to like you. You want to feel positive feelings between the two of us. You really don't want to. You want to encourage me every day in every way, and you don't want to mention anything I could improve on. So you're a little more reluctant to say anything that might uh, imply that I would need to improve. The charger style is probably the, the strongest feedback giver in terms of uh, constructive criticism, um, but uh, it's done in a poor way, and that's the style that's impatient. Uh, they might go in a room, you might go in a meeting through that style and say, this is unacceptable work, everybody, and they, they don't give you precise, helpful coaching feedback. It's just something, some kind of comment that feels like a put-down, and uh, it really people aren't motivated to, to change and they don't know what they need to change specifically with that approach. And finally, we have um, another one, a motivator, and that is a super cheerleader. And that style is, yay, rah, rah, team, all are great, it's wonderful, we're going to, um, this work is good, I am going to sit down and mentor some of you. That style, it can be very good, very motivating style, but inconsistent is not really willing to sit down every day in every way with people and sit down and really look at uh, what they need to help them with. Also, that style might be like if I'm with you every day and you're the motivator and we go to lunch a lot and we talk, you may want to mentor me. So you're going to actually help me more than a couple of other people who may be remote or if you don't see all the time. You may be inconsistent. It's not that you don't like the other people. It's just you don't see them every day and you're not as uh, seeing them more in a mentoring role that you can help uh, people who are like you that you would like to coach to success. So you can look at your own assumptions and then really there's lots of advice on each of these sets of assumptions and, ver and variations on them mm. about what you can do to reframe the way you think about feedback. And what I love about uh, the approach here is that we go into your own style. So for instance, if you're an analyzer, you care about accuracy. So, hey, you can be more accurate if you give people feedback, and then your team will deliver more accurately on the important goals that you have. If you're an um, empathizer and you want people to like you, you know what? Leaders who give constructive criticism as well as praise, as well as just coaching people every day in every way, they are actually valued more as great leaders than leaders who are just nicey nice and everybody can see through it. He's just he just wants to be liked. Um, he praises everybody, and those leaders are not as well respected and well liked as as the ones that coach you and really challenge you to be better at what you do. Mm. Uh, the style of the charger is very business oriented, impatient, wants results, is focused on results. Uh, and that style can be motivated by, hey, if you coach people more specifically and you are, give them, don't just give them insulting comments, but actually explain what you need done differently and why, you are going to see faster business results and have to spend less time with people um, than you would otherwise. And finally, the cheerleader can have that big win, rah, rah culture uh, built and with the team actually winning if they consistently coach each individual and mentor everybody on the group.
So that's one thing you can do. Another is the, that's one area, and that's the it's getting ready for feedback, and that's looking at your own zone. Another thing is the brain science, and there's, there's some ways. I have a four-step program for, like, recognizing when you're getting into kind of an emotional step, uh, emotional state around a feedback conversation, reframing the way you give feedback, rethinking about why, how you're, why you're doing it and how great it is and how wonderful and how fun and how this is going to be a positive relationship, reframing the way you think about it, doing the steps differently, and then finally reveling in your success, which sounds like kind of a uh, goofy term, revel in your success at feedback. But actually, there's an MIT study that shows that uh, actually thinking backward, looking backward and reviewing what you did well in any given performance that you do, whether it's sports or uh, something you do in the workplace, if you revel in your success and really savor it, your brain is more easily rewired into the new pattern. Hmm. So if you have a great feedback conversation with me, say, and then we, we come up with some great ideas, I'm committed to changing, and then um, later you think about it again, maybe write some notes, take some notes in your journal, think about it. It's actually working to rewire your brain so you'll, you'll be more eager to have such a conversation with another person or with me later. Mm. So that's a four-step thing about the fight-or-flight reaction and the stress hormones that get released in the lower brain uh, when it comes to feedback. Um, then I have another uh, couple areas, which is basically um, that you need – those are the things, actually, you asked me the question. I'm sorry. You asked me the question um, – how can you overcome the resistance to get feedback? Yeah. Like those are some of the areas. Yeah, it, it's um, I would, one of the things on my notes here. I I, I know down and I had a, a, like an aha moment was like self feedback, because you know you're doing all these things for other people, but how can you train yourself to give yourself real feedback? Which sounds insane, but really, you know, you're doing your day and. We're, we're working so hard and so fast that at the end of the day, you can't really say, man, I did really well today, or, ah, oh, I should have picked up the phone a little bit more. Oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. Do you think that's a good way of being working, uh, working, or should you be doing outreach to people and saying, um, giving the feedback you're going to give to yourself to them so that you can get it to bounce back on you, if that makes any sense? Well, I think both is fabulous because a feedback loop is just looking at a sort of a, uh, a loop, a circle with little arrows in them. Again, it was information, adjustment, then more information. And the loop, the, the circles turn. So you, we are not totally reliable, as, as you imply, uh, always. But we are reliable in some ways of observing what we want to improve, what we need to improve. So I think it's a great idea at the end of the day to jot down a few notes. Um, of what you'd like to improve. And then later you can turn them into some kind of to-do list or you know, sync them in with uh, your calendar or whatever on some of the selected areas. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great idea to do self-feedback because we are, we are accurate observers and motivated to change in some areas. There are other areas that are blind spots, and so that's where it's good. Um, the other thing is we're overly critical of, on ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's been shown that people, everybody has those areas where, oh, I think I'm terrible at this. When actually you started out, when you were an adult, you are already fabulous at certain things, and you're more critical um, at, about yourself than anyone else would ever be. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're, you're fine-tuning your success in certain areas, and other people are going, Bob is a fabulous communicator. He's fun. He's smart. He's quick. He's, and um, you may be criticizing maybe the way you interview somebody a little bit because you're uh, – so 
other people for feedback. And then by the same token, uh, there may be areas that other people are seeing that you could improve on that you need to notice. Or this is what's more significant: areas that you didn't think, uh, yeah, you didn't think they were important, and you didn't see the, how it's impacting the work or other people or the customer. Hmm. Yeah, very good point. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about time management and feedback because um, you could get into a, a, a feedback loop where uh, it starts to eat into your day. Are there techniques and tips to manage your ability to give more feedback more efficiently? That's a great question uh, because on the surface, really, it's the number one barrier that people would cite as, as to why uh, I, as a manager, don't get feedback. I find it so interesting, the more I studied it, it reinforced my early suspicion, which is that really time needed for giving feedback directly correlates to the discomfort you have with it. Mm. So in other words, if you become more comfortable with it, and it's sort of an example a minute ago, of like you and I have trust. You started it um, with me. It, it can take as little as 30 seconds to say something pretty significant to me. Now, here's the interesting part. If you've not been doing it, and by the way, anybody who hears this or reads the book um, needs to know, and they will be in the book, explains that 95% of managers aren't great at getting feedback. Mm. Um, so everybody has room to grow when it comes to feedback. If you start doing it, one of the steps mentioned in the steps, success is getting great feedback, is tell everybody what you're doing. So when you tell your whole team, say, I report to you, I regularly work with you, you tell everybody that you're going to be starting a lot more feedback. You welcome it back. You want everybody to learn and grow and get the information they need to help uh, improve in their jobs and in their careers. So you tell that to everybody, and you start setting up maybe a 30-minute meeting with each person the first week you do it. But then it might go down, if you did it another week, in another week or two, it might go down to 30 minutes. Pretty soon, it's just no big deal. It's a hallway chat. It doesn't really need to even be confidential because everybody is so comfortable. With, I mean, it should be offered confidentially. Mm. But when people are obviously comfortable with it, and I just say to you, hey, just tell me anytime. Um, and people will do that. Um, it becomes such an everyday thing. It really takes almost no time, maybe five minutes, uh, maybe 30 seconds. And you massively massively saved time and resources by speeding up the feedback loops. So I am doing things for the team that is that are more effective. Mm. And you're having to spend less time fixing problems and yapping about problems to your manager or another manager, maybe gossiping about, well, that Anna Carol's not that great, blah, blah, blah. No, you've already fixed it. You talked to me. We're, we're underway here. And the problems you were having before just don't exist. Hmm. Yeah, it's you know when you explain it that way, it seems so obvious. But you know, you think of all the offices that are struggling under this weight of miscommunication. Exactly. Hmm. What's really sad that it, that motivated me to get this message out. So <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing that uh, our listeners can do today to become uh, better communicators and better feedback managers? I think. Uh, one thing today uh, is to take some micro steps of, with somebody you're comfortable with mm. and suggesting some feedback. And then just maybe even – you might even say, hey, I'd like to get some feedback from you, and I'd like to share some feedback. Are you interested in us doing some feedback discussions? 
and just start small with somebody you're comfortable with and give some feedback and be specific enough to give them, you know, some things they can really work on that, that one of their can be motivated to work on mm. after feedback back. And then the other step that, that goes with that is with the feedback you get, what's really, really important is to hear it, maybe ask for clarification, but do not be defensive. Listen to it and go, thank you for giving me that feedback. Then try to make the most of it. Try to try to make an improvement or make a step based on their feedback, which you possibly can, rather than arguing uh, against it or defending why you do it the way you do it today. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, what that does is it rewires you to feel better about feedback, and it gets you going with maybe expanding the feedback um, initiative you're taking. Mm. You know, one of the things I, I tell a lot of my clients when they ask what's the ROI of social media, I'll say, well, because you get great feedback. And if you're an organization that doesn't take feedback well and doesn't know how to communicate um, the process uh, of, oh, we got that feedback and uh, here's the problem, we fixed the problem. You don't announce that you fixed the problem. A lot of times people are taking the <laughs> feedback in, but nobody knows they're not giving feedback back that, oh, yeah, we are implementing this or, or sorry, it's stuck in committee level now or yes, this is great and it's going to happen. <laughs> nobody knows what's going on. It's a black hole of progress. So I think a, a lot of feedback um, yeah. information needs to be utilized in social media strategy these days. Absolutely. And in fact, the whole basis of social media is a lot of it that's so great is that speed factor. And that's, I think, why, I mean, I, I'm fascinated. I'd love to talk to you some more about this because um, my theory would be that people aren't comfortable with that speed, um, but that's also the beauty of it. Mm. These feedback loops, you hear information, they react to it. And that's why some big corporations, for instance, aren't comfortable with having employees just answering questions promising, you know, fixing things, doing things, and then communicating about it. They, they want to slow down the feedback loop in order to control it a little more. When these fast feedback loops um, are really beneficial um, to the degree to which you can make positive change from them. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a new book, Feedback Tsunamis, How to Deal with Them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, yeah, and- we have you go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, with the, the kids today, they are in this perpetual feedback loop with constantly texting thousands of messages a, a, a month and uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and, and Instagram, all these massive feedback loops, and, and they're getting it from different levels and stuff like that. Do you think that um, the older generation has to be aware that when you're bringing in these new people, uh, the new um, – workforce that that happened because you know you get the the algorithm of of new trends in organizations based on the new kids um are organizations ready uh to learn to communicate in this almost uh instantaneous uh feedback reality that the kids have on a day-to-day basis um i think um once they do it and there are a lot of stories um somewhat myself but were people who are not in that generation who are older mm. who started out maybe feeling that way or just weren't comfortable or just weren't familiar with it. And then the more they got into it, the more they were feeling some of the same ways the younger people. So I think the more you do it, the more comfortable you are in that swirl. And also there's an aspect of transparency, the whole idea of transparency. It's really like, I think somebody has a book, I've got to find naked transparency. It's where some organizations are publishing 
everybody's salary. It's available to find out what everybody makes. Mm -hmm. And people can talk to why they make that. Okay. So-and-so market rate. We're bringing in this guy who's a particular kind of software engineer uh, in, say, security. Okay, we're going to pay him X amount of money, $200,000 or whatever. And he makes that because of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, other people are so, – or so-and-so has had great performance, and they've done this and this. So they're able to discuss that. That's really taboo in most organizations to ever discuss anyone's salary with anyone else. So I think, though, in, in the world that you're describing, which is kind of exciting, there's this feeling of naked transparency. And what's exciting about it is then we really just have to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm out here. I thought I can call – we're in a meeting. I can access on a say the screen on the wall uh, or on my own computer here that I'm projecting it. I can access all kinds of information. If you ask a question, um, I'm not I'm not threatened. I don't have to go, um, you know, prepare some sort of presentation about it. And uh, if I if it's something that needs calculation, it's going to take a while. I'll say you know, it really would take me uh, half a day to pull that together. So I mean, it, this can't be about every single topic. But there's this feeling of just flying free, free fall, just flying on your own and um, being out here in this swirl of information with these feedback loops and being able to act and act on the feedback. And it's a kind of dance. So I think there's an artistic beauty or just beautiful transformational side to this. For other people, it's really, really scary. And for all of us, probably who are going through that transformation and there, there are parts of it that might be a little scary along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who want to learn more about the Feedback Loop and this book, is there a website? Yes, there is. And it's uh, everydayfeedback.com. Mm-hmm. And I love to blog, so there's a blog. And um, I'm also putting out a newsletter, so that's available on either website. Excellent. Everybody... The Feedback Imperative, how to give everyday feedback to speed up your team's success and I would say your life. Um, it's, it's, it's a must read. It's, it's, it's a viscous book of information. How about that for some obscure language? But really, um, I would highly recommend it. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so very much. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show and do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week.